I'm Justin Smith of Palmetto Coast Exotics. And I'm Phil Wolf of the Nefris Initiative. And you're listening to Snakes and Stogies. The only podcast dedicated to fine tobacco. All things reptile related. And the people who love them. As part of the Herpeticulture Network. It up, big pappy. What you drinking? Orange mango prime. Oh, that sounds scandalous. Need that nine o'clock, three hundred milligrams of caffeine, son. I know the feeling. I know the feeling. Sleep, sleep is for wimps. I say that as the guy that's like first to tap out and go to bed at Daytona. That is true. That's by your own choosing, though. Not because you're old or decrepit. I the the older I get, man, the more I just love my damn bed. Isn't it funny how as a kid you despise going to bed? You got the FOMO. You want to stay up, hang out. And then as you get older, you're just progressively like the complete opposite. Where it's like, I just, my pillow sounds way better than anything you could offer me right now. You know, I, I feel like I'm with you. I'm with you. The nightclubs, the after hours socials, like I'm with you. But Daytona, Daytona. Daytona, yeah. I mean, no, I, I, look, I try my, I try my damnedest to, to stay up as late as I can. I do pretty good. I think usually like 1 a.m. I'm usually like, all right. I, I I used to be able to stay up until 3, no problem. Like, no issue whatsoever. Yeah. Now, it's just... Well, see, I could still do that, but I'm still going to wake up at 7 a.m. automatically, so... Doesn't help, you know? Right, right. I mean, I'm... It doesn't bother... I'm usually the first one up, too, so I'm down at the gazebo first thing in the morning got a cigar going got a bagel you know just I'm, uh doing i'm loving thing, it so. yeah i uh i'm wake up cigarette coffee put the feet up start making the rounds on the socials you know how we go but man we got a full usually start sweating tonight. first thing too so. oh yeah oh for sure i'm sweating right now Ugh. but uh group chat's on fire we got a little party going with Andy Middleton and the Condro boys, Harry Jenkins, Dallas, Patrick. Andy Silent Middleton is with James Opdahl, Tommy Budway, and uh, the Tim Morris. So hello to everybody there. Yeah. And Andy also says they have a sweet poster for the cabana. So. Oh, nice. Who knows what that means? Nice, nice. And uh, I, I, I don't want to ruin... Oh, Harry said it's a Florida reptile Christmas Eve. That's what it is. That's right. That's right. So I will say this. Um, Am I losing connection already? Yeah, you sound beautiful, but you're lagging video-wise. Marco. Polo. Okay, not horrible. Not horrible. You're there. We're here. 
There we are. Hey, this is episode 174 of Snakes and Stogies, which is uh, brought to you by blackboxcages.com. Buy a rack, buy a cage. They won't be at Daytona, but the code THN still works at checkout. So you can still order. You still get a discount. Just for you awesome folks. Uh, And then... Use that same code, THN, at checkout on FulviusApparel.com. I will have a special promo code for Daytona. I'm going to have cards that have it on it, and it's, I got some decals and stuff I'm handing out. So if you see me, stop me, grab one. Um, I actually need to get more little bag things so I can make more of these little party favors. I ran out. I've so. been seeing the designs you've been sending, and dude, they look great. Dude, I've been going, I've been going ham with that cricket. It's the way to do it. That little machine's a freaking workhorse, dude. It's mostly just trying to figure out how to get it right, and and I really don't do myself any favors with a lot of these designs that have a lot of like small details to them. Yeah, because you got to go through and pick out all that crap, all the small stuff. So what are they calling it? Weeding it? Weed it? Weeding? Yeah, weeding. Weed it. Yeah. It's actually it's it's a lot like fly fishing. It's just calming. Got my I'm completely focused on that. Got the office on in the background or something. Nice. And I'm just out of my out of my my head for a little bit, you know, just focused on the task at hand. And uh it's fun. So, I'll have some decals. Uh that code THN at, you know, for the Fulvius website is you're only hearing that here whether you're listening or watching, like I don't post that code anywhere else just for the fellow THN people. Um, got a handful of things that I've made that I'm taking with me for you and Kasiki and Harry. And so I am bringing some goodies for the folks that have ordered stuff. Uh, Hell yeah, brother. So. Love it. And dude, I'll tell you what, that, uh, uh that, um baron eye hat that skylar got dude when he held the snake next to the hat like the colors were spot on yeah yeah i wanted so uh, the thing with the hats because i have that okatee design that i only did that short run of um the only sort of hurdle with those is i don't do those myself my my coworker who does embroidery does those and so she also doesn't like having to do ones and twos here and there like peppered in. So when I do those, I typically try to order at least five or so and have her do them in one batch. Um, and I just haven't really spent a whole lot of time worried about that. So I get it, man. That's uh, something I need to sort of get back, get back to, to doing. So nice. Nice. So do we do we mention our our friends in the Pacific Northwest? Puget Sound Pythons. PSP. They'll be there. They'll Gendra. be in. They will be the there. Daytona. Gendra so does Daytona. And they'll and they're married. They're officially Gendra, like legally Gendra. Super cool. That's right. That's right. Uh, good people. Follow them on Facebook and Instagram. Hunt them down on Morph Market. Follow them on there. You know, 
They're good people. They got cool stuff. That they do. That they do. What other reason do you need? And we're lucky to call them friends. We're lucky to call a lot of people friends. Yeah, man. It's our chosen family. Man, I am. Whether they want us or not. I'm sweating right now outside, and I just looked at the temperature. It's 86 with 77% humidity, and the thing says, feels like 94. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. Miserable. And uh, Billy Hunt put up a good thing. If you are going to a reptile show this weekend or Daytona or anyone in the near future, please don't forget how hot it is outside. Don't just crack a window. Don't leave your animals in the car. It is blistering hot this year. So let's make sure all it's of our... blistering hot every year. Yeah, I know. But still, Billy Hunt public service announcement, you know, bring your critters inside. Don't leave them in the car. Unless you want them to be extra crispy or original recipe. Yes. And if that's if that's what you're going for, then by all means, you know, bake them, bake away. Jerky. But I don't see how anyone can put something in a car and expect it to last. Well, you know, I, what I think it is, is especially with like the reptiles and stuff. You know, you go to the reptile show. You have a baby snake in a deli cup or a gecko in a deli cup. And you're leaving the show and you think, man, I, I forgot I got to get gas. And, you, you know, you run inside or better yet, you're with your friends or your family. And you're like, oh, man, let's grab a quick bite. You're like, oh, we're just running in the store real quick, not realizing that 10, 15 minutes, you're done. So you better you better sneak that thing in a purse or something. I think Danielle's done that a few times when we've stopped. Uh, we all we all have. Yeah. She, she had like geckos in her purse or something. Yeah. Yeah. But you got to do it. You got to do it. It's a service animal. If anybody has questions. Yes. It's my blind Emotion seeing eye, Chihua. <laughs> Emotional support, Chihua. My blind Chihua. seeing eye, Lychee. Chihua. Oh, what are you smoking upon this eve? So I just reorganized humidors. I prepared sticks for this weekend. And uh, I'm waiting on fresh boba packs to show up tomorrow from Amazon. God bless. And I wound up, I found a local hand roll that a customer gave me like maybe a month ago. And it kind of felt funny. So I was like, I'll leave it in the humidor for a little bit. He says it's supposed to be Abano, but uh, I mean, I don't even know what to make of it, but it smells real good and it feels real good. It cut freaking flawless. Hey, like, speak of the devil. There's hey. There she is. Back from her wedding. Not her wedding, but a wedding. Excuse me. And so, yeah, that's what I'm smoking. It's it's honestly no band, no label, just a local stick, which I feel like is cool sometimes. If you have local rollers by you, definitely support them. Try their stuff out. And if it's crappy, don't buy it again, but at least give it a whirl. The only way you find out what you like is to start picking. That's what I tell people at the shop all the time. They're like, oh, I'm new to cigars. I don't know what to get. And I'm like, man, just grab something that stands out to you and give it a shot. If it's in your price range, like, yeah, you'll never know. I'll tell you if it's horrible and I don't think you should spend the money on it. I will. I will tell you. Yeah, I think it is. You can do way better for the same price or less, you know, so. Sure. Sure. Do I bought. We were talking about how, the band. how you kept geckos in your purse while we were eating dinner 
somewhere in the past. I don't remember where, but yeah, the band, uh, as much as I hate to say it, you know, it does have a, a factor, like even with those passions that, um, La Roma de Cuba put out with that mint band. I still see those things. And that, that mint band, just like, it's like a beacon, man. I gotta, I just gravitate towards it. It just looks so good. But then you have Tatuaje who puts like zero effort into their bands and it's just a brown cigar with a brown label and it's like, but those are also really good. You know, the band shouldn't have all, all the deciding factor into why you buy it, but they're, they're, their point there is to it's marketing it is to grab your attention and draw yeah. you in and some do it better than others you know yeah man for sure what are you smoking oh man i'm swinging for the fences this week uh and i actually think it kind of works out because we you know cigar related conversation this evening i figured we'd talk a little bit about some some things but i got a lfd double hero nice so this That's this a is a cigar that if you smoke this on an empty stomach, you're gonna feel it. It's gonna suck. This is something like you just ate like a big meal. You need something that's just gonna like punch you in the face. This is it. So double Lajero, haven't had one in a while. Super dark, oily LFD makes I don't think LFD could make a light cigar if they tried. Um but the double Lajero, so Lajero, we've talked about, it's been a while, I'm sure, but that's a priming on the, on the tobacco plants that's, you know, closer to the top. It's uh, smaller leaves that are sort of thicker, uh, getting all the sunlight and stuff like that. So they're, they're very strong. It's flavor-wise, it's a very strong part of the plant. Bold. Uh, nicotine content is also going to be way higher. So <clears throat> double Lajero, they're like, hey, let's take that and let's do it twice. Uh, so they have a regular, like a single Lajero and then they have the double and the double is, uh, they, they're, it's a, it's a cigar. That's for sure. So, but I was thinking earlier today, what cigar stuff shall we you know discuss, even if it's brief. And I was thinking like events. So we're going to Daytona. We're going to have the little snakes and stogies cabana deal thing that we always do. Uh, hopefully security leaves us alone this year. And then for the people that maybe aren't uh, cigar smokers or maybe they only smoke them once in a while, maybe someone has a baby and they'll have one, whatever. And you want to try one, but you don't know how to, like if someone says, oh yeah, pick one out of the case here. Or whatever. They give you some choices. Like someone asked me, I'll hand them three options, whatever. You know, take your pick. How to decide what to smoke when someone offers you something and not look like an idiot. I figured that'd be helpful. Cigars are kind of like wine in that regard that they can be a little intimidating to people that aren't really into it because there's like this sort of mysticism about it where people feel like it's like some sort of highbrow, high class thing. Yeah, yeah. And it's really not, but someone hands you cigars, uh, we'll, we'll sort of go over and I'll get Phil's thoughts too, but yeah, talk about that a little bit, but I'm going to get this lit real quick. Yeah. Light that up. I'll, I'll chime in and say this is that there are winos and I don't mean like the silly, you know, 
cliche comedic wino, you know, like the soccer mom with a tumbler in her minivan. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about there are people that legitimately enjoy wine and they don't have to spend hundreds or thousands of dollars on wine. Some of their favorite wines are the $15, $20 bottle from Walmart. And I mean, like, I'm not a big wine guy, but some of my favorite wines have come from bargain type pricing, you know, entry level pricing. So just because you see these guys and gals smoking these 30, 40, $50 cigars, that isn't necessarily the norm. And that doesn't mean you have to pay that much to get a good smoke. I mean, Justin will tell you flat out, he sold stuff that was $3 and we all loved it. Dude, Perdomo Lot 23. And as of late, the Nico Rustica Adobe's. Yeah. Like, that's likely what I'm going to be bringing to Daytona for the most part. I'm, I'm either going to get a box of Perdomos or I'm going to get a box of uh, those Adobe's because they're just so damn good and the price point is so solid. Yeah. I was like actually in the past. I've I've gotten a lot of Roma and stuff, and I do like Roma. And I'll probably still grab some of those too. But for the most part, in terms of like just bullshitting kind of cigars, like it's gonna be those Nicaragusticas more than likely. You know, it's just I like them a lot. That's that's become one of my like daily smokes. Yeah, man. I really want to try one of those adobos. So uh, you gotta you can make sure you bring me one. I'll spot you. Yeah. The um, it's funny. Danny's saying how her favorite wine is an eight dollar gas station bottle. That's hilariously awesome. Um, I actually have a story similar to that. My friend and I were both single many many moons ago, and we would go out to this one restaurant, uh, this one Italian restaurant, and they had all kinds of food, but they had an amazing bar. It was super, you know, very highbrow, high class. We knew people that worked there, so they'd let us degenerates in, and we'd sit at the end of the bar, and and we'd easily have. You know, a hundred bucks a person, you know, and there was this one wine and I'll say the name and people that know wine, they're going to giggle when they hear this. But there was this one wine on the menu called Le Crema. And it was so freaking good. And they charged us one hundred and twenty dollars a bottle. So me and my buddy, we'd be like, ah, fuck it. Live a little. We'll split it. Right. We each get two glasses, whatever. And then like six months later, I was in an ABC liquor store in New Jersey, and I saw that bottle of La Crema for $19.95. Sucker! Yep. So even though I do enjoy a Padron 1926, and I do enjoy most of the higher-end Liga brands, that doesn't mean you got to pay $30, $40, $50 for a stick. A decent smoke. Yeah. The price has zero bearing on if something is good or not. Are the chances of something not being great when you get into like that five and below range? Probably, but those are also meant to be like smoking for the sake of smoking because you're doing yard work and smoking, even if it's a crappy cigar, you know, mowing the yard is a little more enjoyable when you have a cigar with you. But you also don't want to be smoking a $12 cigar in case something happens to it while you're mowing, which is very likely to happen. Basically, like the, those those bargain bundle sticks are are exactly that. You know, they're not there to be they're not meant to be high end stuff that you smoke, you know, when you when you break out the fine china. Yeah, what's the uh... like, I'm smoking half of it and I'm throwing it away because I just don't care. And it was three dollars. What's that? Is it 
Drew Estate that does, I want to say it's like store box. What, what do they call factory it? Factory smokes. Factory smokes. That's it. The Liga, or excuse me, the Drew Estate factory smokes. That Connecticut is that Connecticut ridiculously good for the price. There is yes. no, there is no reason that cigar should be that good for that price. Yes, exactly. What What do you the sell? Duro and the Sun Grown, absolute garbage. But that Connecticut. What, what What do you sell the Connecticut? But what did you sell the Connecticut bundles for? Like forty five bucks for a bundle of twenty. Yeah, exactly. The, wow. It doesn't get better than that. Like, Doesn't is it going to have burn issues? Likely. Is yeah. it going to crack? And is it going to you going to have some that are going to be off? Probably. But that's kind of the point is that they're just like, look, man, you want to smoke? Here you go. Here's what you got. Don't want to get yeah. to your your aging stuff or whatever. Solution. And so. the, it, correct me if I'm wrong, but they came in a few different sizes, too. Right. They had like a Churchill. They had like a normal Corona. They still do. Okay. They've got right. yeah. Robustos and Toros and Churchills and yeah. like a Gordo, so like a six by sixty. Yeah. Um, and I think there's like a Lonsdale. There's like another size in there somewhere. It's like a Lonsdale. But yeah, they're solid. But if say you come up to me and Phil at Daytona and you're like, hey man, can I have a cigar? And we're like, sure. And we give you some options. The question is going to be, well, what should I, what should I go with? And me and Phil aren't going to lead you astray. We're not going to be nah. like, uh, here, take this double lajero. You haven't eaten anything, right? And you're half yeah. drunk. Like this or, will, or, this will work he, well. Here, have this ninety-nine cent Pakistani smoke that's fifty percent alfalfa. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but if you were anywhere else, say you're at a wedding or some other event, and someone's like, hey, you want a cigar? And they've got maybe some options for you to choose from. What do you pick? Uh, so the short answer is whatever's lightest, but it's also a little more nuanced than that. So typically Connecticut wrappers are your lighter smokes that are going to be less potent, um, not as harsh on the palate. So it's not going to, you're not, your mouth isn't going to feel like you ate litter for like cat litter and it's not going to be all dry for the next two days. Um, and it's not going to be overpowering. Typically, it's not going to be super, super in your face. Not going to punch you in the throat, kind of thing, like yeah. some of the darker stuff will. Uh, but having said that, a lot of the Connecticut stuff is typically going to be a little more on the peppery side. So they'll still be smooth. They'll still be lighter. And when I say lighter, I mean lighter in like the nicotine amount of nicotine that it's got packed in there. Uh, which is sort of what makes you feel a little ill if you smoke on an empty stomach. Um, so lighter Connecticut stuff is going to have less of that. It's not going to be, it's just overall, it's just not going to be as strong of an experience. Right. Um, if you're someone that smokes Marlboro Reds daily or something like that, then you if you can probably go with a Maduro or Habano if you wanted to, and you'd probably be just fine. And I hate to make it seem so cut and dry because it's not because someone can smoke Maduro's right off the rip and be fine. Like there's no like working yeah. your way up to it kind of thing. Right, if you want right. to smoke something darker, go for it. You want to smoke like a Habano or something that's going to have a lot more sort of punch to it and spiciness or pepperiness than, than by all means. But if you're someone who's sort of like getting into it, hit the ground running, start light, sort of go from there. But, um, 
there really isn't maybe it's hard for me to say this now because I smoke so many but I don't see some Maduros so like Drew Estate under crown Maduros that's not a like harsh or sharp Maduro that is a fairly smooth Maduro it's it's yeah not far off from the Liga number nines it's similar it's in that sort of sister taxa of sorts um, great word usage that's not going to be anything that you couldn't handle is it going to be sort of heavier yeah is there going to be are you going to probably feel a little bit more of a buzz from it probably you know it is it is going to be more than the connecticut but yeah uh, harry does love him some some undercrowns he likes the undercrown tens too um so Overall, if you're going to pick something and someone offers you something, maybe even if they have something flavored, if they have like an acid or something, try yeah. that. Uh, those are really popular. It's the Bud Light of Cigars. Um, I don't know what your uh, your you have anything to add to that. Yeah, I I will I will second everything you just said. I will also add this: is that a lot of people that are new to cigar smoking, or maybe it's their first time, or maybe they just they're excited because they're with the camaraderie and they're with all their friends. And there is kind of a subconscious thing of like, I don't want to say keeping up with the Joneses, but you know, if you see me and Smitty and you see Harry and you see Billy and we're all just puffing away and you're taking your time or you're a little apprehensive, don't rush it because I find that so many people that are getting into cigars or, or, or starting out into cigars they go too quick. They smoke too quick. And now you're heating that cigar up and you're burning that tobacco way too fast. And it's not going to be pleasurable. It's going to, we've said this before. I mean, it's, I know it sounds crazy, but it's going to burn the tobacco. It's not going to taste flavorful. It's not going to produce the right kind of smoke. It's just going to kind of be charred and just burnt toast yucky, you know? And I feel like that's a big thing is that is, is reading the cigar as you smoke it. You know, if you feel by where your hand is, that it starts to get too warm, put it down, let it cool off a little bit. Take your time. Yeah. Yeah. No different than you slowly enjoy a good cup of coffee. You don't just take three sips of it and you're done. You know what I mean? Take your time, relax. That way the stick burns at the appropriate rate and you get the right amount of smoke. You get the right kind of smoke. I I feel like that's, that's a super big deal with people just getting into it. And, and Justin, correct me if I'm mistaken, but, depending on the type of tobacco too is going to have a different burn rate and smoke development. So something that is a uh, Connecticut, in my opinion, is going to typically burn way quicker and have a much thinner, more fragile leaf. Right. At least that outside wrapper. So they're all uh, blended. Your filler and your binder are different. Our tobaccos from different parts of the plant that are also going to be burning at different rates. So the object, depending on the size, uh, is that they have the filler and binder on the inside are meant to sort of burn at the same rate as the wrapper, which means you're supposed to sort of take your time. If you start to smoke and it starts to look pointy and it's got like a point on it, you're smoking it too fast. Yeah. Put it down and let it. Yeah, that's a great indicator. I forgot about that. Don't let, you know, let it, let it cool off a little bit. Um, yeah, if and your, also, if your cigar like, looks like a number two pencil, sharpened, yeah. fresh from the sharpener, it's too, way too hot. 
I'm really bad about burning mine too fast and smoking too fast, but that's just a habit. So it happens. Uh, ashing, like ash. Don't ash constantly. Ash when you need to, because ash is a very. It helps a lot with keeping that that combustion cooler and slower. Right. Um, it almost acts as like an insulator kind of deal. So sure. Um, yeah, it's uh, you know, take your time with it. Yeah. And if, if you, you if you start burning fast, just put it down for a minute, five yeah. minutes. Give it a second, uh, just to-, to get onto the ash too. Just like Justin said, don't be ashing a lot. I don't like to. You, people see me, and you know, I tap a cigarette, right? And I'm knocking the ash off. You really shouldn't knock or tap a cigar. The ash should just fall off on its own. Um, a lot of times, if you get say an inch of ash, it the the magneticness of the, of that ash is going to hold it there. And eventually from you just moving, it's going to fall off. And obviously we don't want it to fall on us or the floor. We want it to fall on the ashtray. But if you simply just touch the, that one inch of ash to the just, ashtray, I just tap it. Yeah. I I, see, it. And see, I don't even tap it. I just, I literally just like, if you're looking at my microphone, I just touch it to it and it, it'll yeah, fall see, off on its own. I'll tap it with my ring finger. And if it yeah. falls, then it's, it, it was ready if it doesn't then i don't for i don't continue to tap it i just leave it yeah it's really not not ready, it's not ready. and I, I was told to me by one of my late mentors that you shouldn't be flicking it as if you're flicking your friend in the arm as a joke you should be tapping it almost like morse code you know you're not you're not cr- cramming your finger down on a typewriter you're just pressing it like the keyboard on a computer so oh i'll also say this too oh, is if good. you if you are smoking too quickly and it is burning too quickly, a lot of times you'll get what's called canoeing where one side of the cigar is, is burning faster than the other side. I mean, it's it's starting to do that a little bit. Yeah. A A lot of times that's, that's from a soft spot. I think though that's from a rolling, that's a construction thing. Not necessarily. Most of the time canoeing is going to be from a construction thing or you didn't light it fully off the bat. And that's what I was going to say. Cooler than the other. Yeah. And a lot of times people get concerned and what they'll do is they'll take that super hot torch and they'll try and burn off that, that cliff face of that's canoeing outward. And that just ruins things. If you are going to try and correct it, just a little kiss, a little kiss or, or find someone that has a, uh, a soft flame lighter and just warm it up a little bit. And eventually it will burn through. So just my two cents. Yeah. So if you see someone that is offering cigars or at an event where they have cigars and you're not sure what to go with, just if someone's there, ask them, you know, what's lighter. Um, and you roll with that if that's what you want. If not, go all out, grab whatever, light it up, enjoy it. The rules are there ain't no rules. It's just like buying a pair of shoes, personal preference. That's right. <clears throat> What's uh, what's what's new down yonder? Well, I um, I had some some new acquisitions, right? Got some venomous stuff, and some of them babies, some of them fresh imports. And you know, we we train to learn all we can about getting animals to feed, right? And a lot of times, cer- certain species they, they don't want to eat lab mice, right? We know this. We've talked about this for years. Um, so we do scenting, and we have tips and tricks that we do to try and entice these babies to eat man i'll tell you i got lucky man i had uh 
one, two, three, four, five, six, six new snakes that as far as I knew had never even seen a rodent in their life. And they all scarf their food down right out of the gate. No questions asked. And like it, it, it I want to pat myself on the back, but I know it really had nothing to do with me. It's just dumb luck, you know, but you it is a great the conduit. I was the conduit. Yes, I was the, I was the liaison of feeding. Yes. You were the vessel. The vessel. So, uh, that just made me feel great, man. And like, I felt like it was a good omen for Daytona. You know, I fed everything bef- this weekend. So that way I have four or five, well, three, four days to make sure if something gets sick or something takes a massive crap, I'm not coming home to a stinky room, you know? So that's, uh, that's really all I have to report on my end. Yeah. Uh, well, I too am sort of preparing and getting things ready for being gone for a few days. Um, the rhinos are due to hatch the twentieth. Okay. And so my original plan was to just leave them in the egg box because by the time we get home, they may not even all be out. Out. Yeah. But then Katie was like, "Please have something on hand because I'll feel weird if they stay in the egg box." So I was like, "Fair enough." Uh, so within the next. 24 hours i need to get on down to the dollar tree and get some tubs and then find the smallest drill bit i can and do some ventilation just for the rhinos because i i am very untrusting of the soldering iron holes that i have in the existing stack of tubs that i've made for hatchlings because they're fine for corns but if there's anything i've learned about rhinos especially babies is that they are ridiculously good at getting out of very small unsuspecting gaps oh yeah i've had to learn that lesson i don't want to learn it again i I figured i've it's been punishment enough at this point (laughs) Uh, so my plan was to find some some of those get the tubs that i like from dollar tree that are great for hatchling stuff and then just drill the snot out of it with uh you know the smallest drill bit i can um, ideally I'd like to just leave them in the egg box until I get back. And I may end up just doing that and saying that I forgot, you know, <laughs> no, nah, we'll I don't see. do that. Do, be okay, do, it, but do it right, man. I think they will be all right. But, uh, and then the Jansen, I egg. So we're on day today should be, I think day one Oh four, one Oh three, one Oh four. So that's, that's due to hatch. We're inside of a month now, hopefully, left. I think it should be sometime early to mid-September. Um, I have six rhino eggs. And the eggs are tiny, so the babies are going to be freaking tiny. Like, it's ridiculous how small they are. Um, so far, everything with the Jansen egg looks good. Sort of fully mentally preparing myself for it to have just died at some point and i'm just sitting here staring at an egg that has nothing happening inside of it it's the best way to go about it if we happen to get to the the point of of hatching then awesome yeah for sure uh if that's the case then that's kind of the hardest part with the Jansen eye is is incubation and getting getting stuff hatched. Um, kind of the nice thing is is I did pretty much exactly what I've done with the Boiga eggs, and 
if that works, then next year we'll try it again and see if it wasn't just beginner's luck because it very well may have been. Um, I do have a plan for next year in terms of seeing if I can get better clutches from that female. Uh, I think I need to cycle more than I did. Um, Cause the first clutch she gave me was like, I think two or three eggs. And then this clutch was three or four and only one of them was good out of that. So we're on the right track in that, in that regard. I think now it's just trying to figure out how to dial in to get better clutches from that female. It's good, man. You're so, on your way. Sort of planning You're and on your way. Plotting. Um, started to pair some. I, I put the male, one of the male green trees, in with with the the designer female. Good. Left them in there for a few minutes. You know, put the the wise camera on there just in case. I'm I'm when it comes to introducing condos, I'm a little weird. I don't like to just. It's not like the corns where I just throw them together and not worry about it. Like them, I yeah. I really like to try and watch for you know a solid half hour or so just to make sure everything goes okay <clears throat> and that there's no no surprises in terms of a female somehow being a male magically and then there being a, a match in the octagon as a result so put them together she freaked out you know first time females typically or i mean pretty much any female you put a male in there and they're kind of like what the hell's going on oh um, yeah but i think sort of that initial introduction is good um even if you're only leaving them in there for you know, a night or two. Um, I I have the hunch that that sort of sparks some sort of hormonal shift in him or her. Both, her oh, mostly, because that good. male, you know, that male, he's he's already proven himself as ready to go because he was ready to go. Nice. Uh, but I think with those females, with that first introduction, I don't know, man. I think it's. Just like what we would go through as young adults and arousal yes. and stuff, like I can't help but wonder if something similar happens when you introduce males into females for the first time and they sort of like there is like a wait a second, this is a male, like biologically, my body's gonna start doing something. So I don't know. I could be completely full of shit and just thinking that I'm smart, but I don't know. So I like to do sort of briefer introductions at first with the green trees. And then once they get to a point to where I feel more comfortable leaving them in a little more long-term, I'm going to do that. I also would just fed them like earlier that day. And so I was like, saw her kind of spazzing out a little bit and I didn't want her to regurge. So I ended up pulling the mail and he'll okay. probably go back. He'll probably go back in tomorrow night. Sort of see what happens, but still start an, intro an introduction nonetheless. Yeah. Yeah, and I think yeah. a, sort of a, an easier transition into that would be just taking the shed of, of that male and putting it in with the female. Yeah. You know, getting her sort of accustomed to that scent because it seems like that first 24 to 48 hours, she's really confused and really doesn't want anything to do with them. And then they kind of, I don't know if she just gets exhausted or if she just sort of accepts the fact that he's now there. I don't know, but I... Uh, you know, I didn't want her to regurge because that would just only lead to more problems. So yeah, pulled him, and uh, I'll put him back together. And I, I don't know. I'm, I'm a. What I did with the first round of green trees was the male pretty much stayed in with her from like June until December or January, and then I got eggs. 
Uh, my plan is kind of to do something similar where it's just let him do his thing and figure it out. Yeah. Um, and we'll see what happens. You know, he's, he's definitely, like I said, he's, he's going to try. I mean, he gave it his all with the, with the other female that I put him in with earlier in the year. So he's, he's definitely ready. Yeah. Um, now it's just a matter of sticking to your guns, doing it. Nice. Good shit, man. Good shit. And then the mouse cutting project. Oh, yes. Yes. Do tell. Do tell. So that we are on week five. Okay. Pulling up my spreadsheet right now. One, two, three, four, five. Yes. So since hatching, we have done five weigh-ins. I have three group tabs. So I have a total group average, which is all of them together. I have a cut group average, and then I have a no cut group average. Uh, and sort of there's been some interesting stuff already. The total group average started, this is on the 17th of July at 6.89. So that's seven. No, I'm sorry. Uh, 12 babies you know, all tallied up with their weights and then divided by 12. Started at 6.89. It is now at 7.06. Okay. Uh, and then when I broke it down, so I just broke down the two the two groups into a group average last night. I went through and, and tallied each one, you know, and did the group average per each week. The cut group started out, on 717 at 7.07 and as eight as of 812 it's at 7.03 what's interesting and elizabeth nash at burning ember pointed this out in the corn stars chat because we were talking about it the no cut group started at 6.5 and is at 6.82 currently oh wow so what's interesting there is the no cut group is already surpassed their starting weight. Yeah. While the cut group is only just now getting back to that starting weight. But if you look at the other numbers, so on 717, they were at 7.07 grams. On 722, there was a drop to 5.68 on average. And then 729, 6.28 on average. 8.5 was 6.78 average, and then 8.12 was 7.03. So what's interesting there and what I think is going to happen is these things, the cut group is gaining weight by like a half a gram each week. Right. Why there was that initial dip, I'm not really sure. But I think these guys are going to surpass the no-cut group very quickly. Like within the next like week or two, I fully expect them to be to be moving way past that that no cut group sure it's just odd that the no cut group surpassed their their starting weight fairly quickly so the first two weeks they were at 6.5 and then we had a drop to 6.07 and then a spike to 6.45 and then a spike to 6.82 so there was an average increase per week of like 0.38 grams there but then we had over 0.50 increase in the cut group each week i just can't explain as to why that cut group had that initial like drop well do you think that because they 
how do I phrase this? Do you feel like the cut group is using more energy because they're getting more energy faster? Possible. My other thought was uh, the no cut group is holding on to waste. Like there's more waste they're holding on to than the cut group. Sure, sure. Uh, like there's more quote unquote baggage with yeah. each meal. Um, yeah. I, you know, and I mean, obviously this isn't like a super scientific, super accurate study. I'm not, you know, I don't know how much water they're taking in on a regular basis. Um, there is one still, so zero nine or zero six, two, three of the group of the 12. So that's the sixth baby. That one has been a non-starter. So that one I was, it's still included in that group and that average. And it is probably weighing that average down a bit. Cause that thing is stalled out, started at 6.8. Uh, and then is just considered continue to drop since it's been at 5.7 for the last two weeks. Um, okay. And this is part of the cut, cut group or no, no cut group. Oh, so that one's yeah. just, that okay. one's just been a non-starter, which that also kind of makes the whole results of the no cut group average even more interesting because that hasn't really slowed down that group in terms of yeah, matching that weight. Uh, I did put a tail in that animal yesterday. So I'm hoping that I'll kind of get it back on track. Uh, ideally at the end of it, I may end up just removing that animal from the results total because sort of my original plan was if they refuse two meals, then they're out. Right. Uh, and that's the only animal that has, but I think that also might be a good, I'm still going to weigh it and keep track of that to see how that non-starter looks in comparison to the other animals in the, in the group. How would it um, affect, how would it affect your results if you took that animal out of the non cuts and then you took the best of the cuts and took that one out as well? That'd be, I mean, I could do it like that wouldn't be hard to do. I mean, even if you do it after everything's said and done. Yeah. Yeah. I mean? No, for sure. Yeah. I'm wondering how that would weigh out. Yeah. No pun intended. I don't know, but that one is just, I tried live. I tried uh, brained. I gave it a, like, I didn't offer it anything between the feedings because right now it's, I'm weighing on Saturdays and then Saturday afternoon I'm feeding. So they have a whole week to sort of digest and, you know, theoretically clean, clean out. Um, so I will see. I mean, it kept that tail down because I went and checked today to make sure it didn't give it back or anything and it didn't. Okay. Um, Let me ask you this. How is it reacting in terms of its general motor functions and tongue flicks and, you know, completely normal pupil dilation? Yep. Okay. There's nothing wrong with that snake. It's been uh, the other day when I was feeding everything, it was cruising. So I think it's hungry. Yeah. I think it's just a matter of, for whatever reason, it's just not getting like it's not clicking that, that the mouse I'm offering is food. Right, um, right. Everyone else has been no issues. Like they all take readily, you know, no problem. You know, some of them, it'll take them a minute to if they're you know, asleep to sort of wake up and realize what's going on and then they'll grab it and eat it. But for the most part, sure. everything has been absolutely rock solid. So excellent. excellent. But that original, you know, Harry asked the biggest question about the study was, you know, what about non-starters and what what Hurley did with the initial study that I'm sort of trying to replicate here uh, was if they didn't eat, they got taken out. So if they refused two meals consecutively, they got removed from the study. So. That's what my plan was. Again, you know, I'll probably take it out by the time, you know, when everything's said and done, but I'm still going to weigh it and I'm still going to do what I normally will 
and I'll still add it to the group average. And then maybe at the end of it, I'll go through and take that out and redo all the averages for that group and see, you know, what exactly is going on. But right. it's really interesting that even just seeing numbers, you know, I literally, it's yeah. just a chart with, with a, a column for date and then a column for weight in grams. Did you put and, it in Excel? Yeah. Yeah. Dude, was, you should, you should look at a line graph. That'll be awesome. I do. Yeah, I did. Oh, nice. Nice. Um, the only issue with that is there's not really enough data right now to really see anything major. You see the same thing that you can sort of formulate from, from looking at the numbers, especially with the cut group, you know, you see that, that major dip, but then you see that, that line creep back up fairly quickly. Um, as I get more, more data down, I mean, we're talking like 10 weeks worth of, of numbers rather than the five, it'll be a little more, you'll see, it'll, it'll, it'll be more obvious and it'll, it'll make more sense. But right now it's kind of, kind of wimpy looking. So still, man, still awesome. Awesome. You're getting that info. But it's, it's pretty interesting. Uh, well, I'll tell you, again, I, uh, it's odd that, that the non-cut group has made their, like surpassed their starting weight before the, the cut group did. Yeah. It's super fascinating. And I, I've noticed a dynamic result with doing cuts on feeding rodents to the drink calls because I mean, I've said it in the past, but now it's been at least a year of me doing cuts and the amount of fur and, and like byproduct waste in their stool and is just not existent, you know? And I mean, I'll knock on wood, you know, I haven't had any more uh, regurgitations from it, which I think really, really helps because I feel like it wasn't that the prey item was too big. It was just too much fur and byproduct for that species. And they would just yak up this, this fur sack yeah you know i mean not to get graphic but which I'm is also odd because you would sort of expect the opposite with a cut like i would expect more skin baggage as a result rather well i think it's it, i think feel like it's, they're digesting everything that much faster that they have they have time to digest that fur and byproduct before it rots in their stomach while as before the cuts now even if they manage to get past that 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 mesentery and that you know epidermis, if you will, th it was still there was still a rotting time frame. Does that make sense? Yeah, you know. And I still haven't even decided how long I'm going to do it for. I think Hurley did it for 15 weeks, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I may take it to 20. We'll, yeah, like dude, it, it really it, doesn't it, take that much time. Ideally, if I could do it for years, I would just to see if you know how it slows down, especially as they get to their you know their their yearling age and then as they get older and maybe that metabolism slows down it'd be really interesting to see how that works and at some point i would really like to do it with uh laying females so going into a season with a female out of brumation you know one female gets cut mice one female doesn't seeing what the weight increases up until they lay and yeah. then seeing what weight does as you bring them back you know, starting with smaller meals like rat pups or something, um, cut versus uncut, and seeing just what that what that looks like in females too. For sure, and you know, if you're at the 20 week mark and you're not sick of doing it because you've got a routine going down, push it to a whole year, man. You know, why not? I mean, the issue then is I have to sit on 12 snakes for a year. That's all right. I'm sure people will love to receive them knowing they were part of the study. 
I got a couple couple holdbacks from from that clutch though. That's for sure. And I have a second clutch that's that's going to hatch I think sometime in September too. Cuz that female double clutched. So, hell yeah, bro. Hell yeah. I like awesome. data. I like numbers and line graphs. That's it. Well, speaking of data, um Lance is in the group chat and him and Lisa were talking and we should talk about a new book that just came out that has a lot pre-order. It's on pre-order. If I may, the natural history and captive care of false water cobras, barons, racers, musaranas, and other Xenodonte snakes by Dr. Zachary Lofman, i.e. the dipsatted book, the crawdaddy, the crawdaddy himself. Notice Uh, me crawdaddy. It is on pre-order. There is a limited edition. There is a limited number of signed hardbacks that will that will be numbered. Then there's also a group, another limited group of normal hardbacks, which are a little cheaper, and then paperbacks as well. Um, they are going to be released after the Tinley show in October. But definitely contact Dr. Loafman himself, uh, Dr. underscore Crawdad on Instagram, and get yourself a copy because the book's going to be stupid cool. Yep, definitely got to got to get my hands on on a copy of that. Signed. Yeah, I already I already messaged uh, Hell Doctor and said that I need one of those. Signed, limited hardbacks. Got to have it. Got to have it. I don't. I mean, how do you do? You prefer hardback over softback? I absolutely a thousand percent prefer a hardback book. One, it is for the collection. It is for the bookshelf. It is a handsome work of art, regardless of who published it, who made it. You know, I love a hardback book. However, there are certain books that I have in duplicate, if not triplicate, in a softback. Because I want to write in it, I want to roll it up and put it in my mm-hmm. back pocket. I want to mess it up if it gets wet, field herping or whatever. Who cares? So, I've got a I'm couple pretty, things like that. I'm not even that picky, man. I'm pretty equal opportunity. I like hardback. Like if someone, if I had to choose, I'd go hardback. But I'm also like, yeah, whatever. You know, if a hardback's an extra fifty dollars, which not saying this one is, but. Yeah, if there's like a huge difference between a hardback and a softback. I'm like, I'll just get the softback. It's not that. Important. See, I can't, man. If if there's a hardback option, I'm gonna go for it through and through. That's just me. But again, it's I'm 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 a hurt book collector, and I keep my books super pristine. It's actually killing me inside. I was just telling my my dad this. It's killing me inside that all of my library of hurt books is stored in airtight containers right now. And I know that like some of the binding is getting smushed. I know that they're not like they're not in there perfect. They're not on the bookshelf breathing like they should be. And uh, it's infuriating, but it's what I got to do for now. What a nerd. I know. I know. I will say this, though. Every single one of my books has been cracked open. It has been leafed through. Even if I haven't read it in its entirety, every single book has been used for some form of referencing in some point so well do you have i know you're you have some stuff you were looking planning on looking out for at the show um are you getting anything from anybody 
like is pain shab bringing you anything no um i talked to pain shab because i was going to look for alterna but i i said to myself man if i'm going to get anyone's alterna it's got to be chris's so i actually talked to him and i was like look man if you're are you bringing are you are you bringing gray bands you know just for like anyone specific and he said no he wanted to hold on to them for a few more weeks and get more meals in them you know just to to do the right thing and i was like all right we'll do that yeah exactly i was like do that let me know and uh and I got my eye on a couple ones that he sent in our little group chat with uh, Mike Gillen. So I was like, look, man, those things are screamers. I was like, let me know how they go. And, you know, in a month or two, we'll try and put some together. Um, the only thing I'm really hard up looking for is Subox. So I, I have a lead on a silver female that's het for uh, silver blonde, which would go really well with my silver mm-hmm. undocumented male. Um, I have not got confirmation yet that you know it's a done deal so i don't want to jinx it yet but hopefully i'll be able to score that female and then uh, i'd like to look for some more orangey stuff maybe some wild rose pass type stuff and uh and see what's out there hopefully there's some subox there so skylar asked what's on my wish list uh so originally i had tony d had some ultras last year that i really liked as far as corns go and I was bound and determined to grab one this year. And then I was going to also be on the lookout for a uh, coral ghost to eventually tie into Castani stuff. But Chris is bringing me some corns that uh, we're going to use next year. And then he's bringing me a Leonis, at least one Leonis that I'm aware of. And man, those Leonis, uh, you and, and Harry got Leonis too. And Mary got like I the... was I was physically angry with jealousy <laughs> yeah. at the Leonis that Harry got because those things are just obscene. And you know what the crazy part is? Not to poo-poo Harry's selection. Harry got the sexiest Leonis on the market, but those were not those aren't even the holdbacks. Uh, Think about even, that. I don't even want to. Think about that, bro. Those are not even the holdbacks, and they're on fire radioactive yeah uh, it's i've never seen any like that i mean granted i don't go around looking at leonis regularly but i saw those and i was like that's that's not even it's not even fucking fair i was like those (laughs) are just ridiculous stupid it's stupid i mean there's 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 no other way to describe it man i mean they're, they're just incredible specimens and Again, I've I've seen my fair share of Leonis over the years, but dude, the stuff that's being produced right now is just incredible. And God only knows what it's going to turn into, too. You know, they yeah. look this good as babies. Imagine yeah. six months to a year from now. Ooh, doggy. Yeah. That's a really cool group of kings, man. Yeah. Uh, for whatever reason, I feel like they've always been kind of slept on to a degree. You um, know what it is? It's because it's not predictable. That's why. And I'm sure that has a, a pretty decent hand in it. Um, yeah. I don't. I don't know. It's just as wild and as wacky as those things are with the colors and stuff that that pop out of them. I was. I'm really surprised that there's not more of a demand for them. Yeah, agreed. But the more they get out, that maybe if we start talking about them, they'll start taking off again. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> let's be real, man. You put Bear Eye on the map, you know. Oh, I did hatch out four. The last week we had the Bairds hatching. Ended up with four baby head hypo Bairds. 
Yeah. Uh, that was a clutch of seven or eight. One of the eggs went bad, and then two of the remaining six, when everything else was pipping, those did not pip. And so finally, after like two or three days of the others having pipped, there was three eggs that hadn't. One of them I cut open, and the baby was in there. It just hadn't pipped yet. It was alive. It came out and everything, no problem. Excellent. The other two, those must have jumped ship weeks ago because I opened it up, and like as soon as they, they looked outwardly healthy, they had some discoloring going on. So I was like, okay, I don't think these are going to go. But I cut them open, and it was immediately like pus. It wasn't uh-huh. clear. So I was like, okay, there's our answer. Yeah, that's shame. Uh, you know, cut them all the way just to see if they were like full term or something. There wasn't even really anything in there that I could see. So those those kicked the bucket way okay. back. Yeah. Uh, but the four babies that came out, man, they're they're plump, they're healthy, uh, waiting on first sheds, which should be happening any day now. Excellent. Uh, Got to sex them and get some meals in them, and then I don't know what what I'm gonna do there. I think Joe Peck, I was gonna send him some of them for some corns. Yeah. But, as far as wish list in Daytona goes, though, I mean, what Chris is bringing me, I, I really don't need to bring anything else home. Like, I'm at a point where I'm, I'm actually overloaded and I need to get rid of some more stuff. Um, sure. Especially with more babies on the way. Um, you know, I got to... I'm, I'm overloaded, honestly. I'm overwhelmed currently with what I have, and it's been, it's been a stressor, so... But working through it, getting through it everything's still taken care of all that nice. stuff you know it's just Good. uh i just have i have too many damn snakes oh. i know the feeling man um side note uh mike Siki says that the leonis are the mountain king okatee and this is not the one that harry got this is one of the ones that chris kept for himself but look at this freaking snake yeah like why does nature make that just radioactive man like what, what what's the purpose there crazy and, and here here's a here's a clutch mate okay yeah i mean ugh killer how can you not like that i don't know man my dad had a had a really nice group of therai a couple years ago before he got out and i had them and sold them like an idiot and there have been very few things i regret in terms of things i let go of those are at the top of the list like i wish i had kept that group it was a couple of adults and then a handful of like yearlings and i like an idiot did not hold on to any of them and i've regretted it ever since and so when chris was hatching out those those awesome uh milk snake phase ones i was like hey i don't even care if they're all female or if they're all male I just I need some need some Leonis back in my life, so that's gonna that's gonna happen. Yeah, and dude, look at this. This is one of the ones that Chris produced, and it, like this is even the prettiest one. It looks like a bamboo rat. Oh, on the uh, Alterna. Alterna, yeah. Dude, look at that thing. The bands are literally flaming on fire. Yeah, and then there's this female just totally just took me by surprise. Um, hold on, now I messed it. So this thing's in shed. Look at this thing. 
all the yeah. flecking in the saddles. Oh, yeah. incredible. Absolutely incredible. So, but yeah, I'm open minded, man. It's going to be a hell of a show. It will be good. Billy Hunt's going to have some awesome stuff at his table. So, if you're going to be there, you need to stop by and check it out. Yeah. Um, Case will I... have some awesome stuff. Billy will have some awesome stuff. Should I give a little teaser of what might still be at Billy's table? Yeah. So, just a slight teaser. Okay. <clears throat> All right. If I can open this thing up, hold on. So, Columbia Rainbow Bows, Carpet Pythons, Barons Racers, Corns, Pueblins, Hondurans, Spotted Pythons, Radiated Rat Snakes, Cow Kings, Kenyan Samboas, Trans Pecos Rat Snakes, uh, Bull Snakes, Brettles, Angolan Pythons, Bamboo Rats, Japanese Forest Rats, Tricolored Hognose, and a handful of other select hand-bred, hand-chosen colubrids. Come by Uobami Reptiles. Check it out. I wonder if he still has Ladies Island Corns. He does. most. Of, I know for a fact he does. Because part of me was like, man, I'm probably going to walk by Billy's table, see some of those Ladies Island Corns that I sold him and end up buying some of them back. I know for a fact he does have a couple. I know he does have a couple. I was thinking about that the other day. I was like, man, I'm probably going to see one that I really like. And I'm like, I need that back. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Christian Parr actually got a pair from him. So I thought that was cool. Rarest locality in corn snakes. But on bumps. Yes. And, and Vic, Vic Lerano, he is the one who produced Hondurans and Pueblins. So it's going to be great, man. It's going to be super great. Yeah, it's going to be good. I'm excited. Um, you know, again, we say it all the time, like the show's a, an awesome bonus. Uh, but I always just look forward to hanging out and yeah, getting a break. You know, I'm a very routine person in terms of my daily life and things like that. Uh, and it's it's just a nice break from reality, from everything. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. Yeah, I'm excited. Man. Uh, but it's the perfect amount of time because, like, come Sunday, I remember in the past, like, Jake and I just driving back and it's just completely silent for, like, the four hours home because we're both just beat. Like, social battery, especially for me, is just done. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, ready to go back to my routine and, and things like that. So Yeah. It's yeah, see, good. Gendra said they come for us, not the show. That's it. We love it. We love it. Oh, and I will say this selfless plug. If you are happening to go to the show and you go to Uabami Reptiles booth, there will be Nephris Initiative t-shirts and Venom Exchange Radio t-shirts as well. So feel free to stop by and grab a shirt and sticker and buy some snakes from Billy. I have a decent handful of THP shirts still. I thought about bringing those just because I basically need them out of my closet and giving them <laughs> away. So I Ooh. may do that. I, I'm like limited on sizes. I know it was a lot of mediums and a couple of like your odd sizes. Yeah. Um, so we can I'll, I'll talk about that real quick, actually. Yeah. If there's anything I've learned being in the t-shirt business for a year and change now. Isn't that crazy? 
load up on larges and extra larges. Yep. Your smalls, your mediums, your 2XLs and up. Have some. Don't have a lot of them. Because you're not going to sell that many of them. Like, I've come to find that large and XL are going to be your two most popular sellers. Unless you're you're selling to, uh, like, a, a village of tiny people. Yes. That are the size of 10-year-olds. Uh, then stick to large and extra large. Like normally so like when i'm putting an order together like we just had this event at work uh not at work but for work where it was like an educator appreciation event so we made a bunch of shirts to give to the teachers and stuff that were coming nice and i planned right you know it was like 350 shirts that we ended up giving away and so i was like okay i'm gonna go hard on larges hard on extra larges i went all the way up to 4x i only did like 10 4x's because i was like there's probably not going to be that many i did i think like 15 or so 3x's maybe like 22 X's. And then I did like 120 XLs, 120 larges only did like 25 smalls and then like 30 or 40 mediums, maybe. Okay. Ran out of smalls first. Really? Then ran out of mediums, but gave away a ton of larges and extra larges and very few of those larger sizes. Wow. So, if you're needing shirts and you're planning to get shirts, even if it's if it's from me, if it's not from me, whatever, large and XL are going to be your two most popular sizes. Yeah. Like I've I've wondered if the handful of times it's just been a fluke and maybe that's like, like no, that is how it has worked. With the Fulvius orders, larges and extra larges have been the most popular sizes across the board with everything. Um, plan accordingly. So, still have those out those outlier sizes. Yeah, just don't have as many of them because you'll end up like Phil can attest. Like you'll end up sitting on those sizes for a while because you're going to have a hard time finding people that that actually wear that size. Especially if you're dealing with like cotton shirts that are going to have some shrinkage. Oh yeah. Uh, you know it's it's tough, but large and XLs. Patrick, man, I will will make will make that happen. You send me your information. So thinking about vending next year for Fulvius, if, if things are still rocking and rolling there. Here, here. I know you and I talked a little bit yesterday about sort of that stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've got a bunch of those THP shirts still um, that at this point, like I said, just to get them out of my closet and may just bring and get them gone. Who doesn't like free shirts? And they're comfy. They're those soft styles that I use for so much stuff. Yeah, man. Hands down, the softest, smoothest shirts in my uh, my closet right now. Full These are apparel. great. And they're not, you know, like in comparison, like price-wise to sort of your standard Gildans, like your baseline cotton shirts, they're they're really not much more expensive than those so they're yeah gildan does it right you know yeah man i will say this I, i'm i'm torn because i started doing laundry and packing for this weekend and i don't know what what fulvius apparel shirts to wear when you know i've, I've got enough that i could i i could do two a day if i had to you know i know 
Dude, the way to do it. Just a walking billboard. I have I'm to in. get. I have to get a trash bag filled with shirts. Not even like not Fulvia stuff, but just in general. I have a whole ton of shirts in my closet that I never wear. I need to bag those up and take them to Goodwill because I have so many shirts stacking up that I bring home that like the wife is getting irritated with me because of how many shirts <laughs> yeah. and hats I have. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, uh, it's yeah. Wear them all. There you go. Switch them every hour. I don't have that many drink or uh, Skylar. <laughs> Yeah, because like you said, we'll be sweating enough to wear three a day. I probably will bring extras because, yeah, you're going this Florida, man. You're going to sweat. Yeah, well, what you got to do is you got you to gotta come to the show, and after you're done waiting in line all morning, sweating with all the other you know customers, come into the show. The minute you walk in, veer a hard right, go to Uobami Reptiles. Pick yourself up a nice Uobami Reptiles shirt or a Nefris Initiative shirt, or a Venom Exchange Radio shirt, or maybe even a THP shirt. Oh. And then you could just change it out. Rocking and rolling. There you go. The uh, what, are you, what are your thoughts on the, the VIP ticket? Um, do, you I have, do you think it's worth it? I have seen it be incredibly successful for vendors and for customers. However, I have also seen it crash and burn like a helicopter on fire. Now, I feel like because this is the first go around, you're going to have a lot of vendors that are not accustomed to that kind of thing. You're also going to have less customers jumping in on that. Um, but I think it's going to be a positive. I do. I'm optimistic. Um, I feel like do you think it's worth it. If you're going there on the mission and you're like okay i need one of these two of those one of these and you know who you want to look at and you have an idea of where you're going to go then yeah go for it you know what i mean just go for it if you're not if you're just going to go and maybe see what strikes your eye maybe you have an idea of a species or some uh, caging or equipment or something that you, you you have in the back of your mind it's probably not worth it you know what I mean? Me and Chris were talking about it literally like just before we started and I don't I don't have any like need for it. Yeah. I don't think Chris really has much of a need for it, but at the same time like it's kind of our ball out weekend. Yeah. And I'm kind of like fuck it. Fuck it. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. You also it, it, providing that the vendors are not overwhelmed and they're not bothered or uh, intruded on in their setup, it could be very, very great. You know what I mean? If the if the if the VIP customers have the couth, have the class to not bombard them with questions and overwhelm them as they're setting up and distract them from putting their ducks in a row, it's going to be great. And at the same time, I feel like the customers and the vendors both need to have a little more patience. Because I'm sure there's vendors that's going to be like, yeah. look, man, just give me like 20 minutes. Just, just come back in like 20 minutes. You know what I mean? Because I, I got all this stuff going on. But at the same time, that customer also needs to understand, all right, hey, this is their data set up. Let me come back in 20 minutes, like he said, or she said, excuse me. Well, so, I think maybe they raised the, like the price point is there so that it separates the serious from the, from the like casual you know, yeah, like people I, that are there on that mission are going to have no issue spending the extra 80 bucks. 
Yeah. Know? Well, I also feel like it, it hails back to because let's face it, if it's gun shows or craft shows or military shows or car, or car shows, whatever. They always had that VIP pass that getting an extra time, extra day, t- free T-shirt, whatever it is. Um, but specifically Daytona, for those who remember 10, 15 years ago, you could get a VIP system badge, right? And get it early on Friday. But it was an actual vendor's badge. You had to buy a mythical table. You had to buy you had to, the same amount of money. What was it? $300 or whatever for a table to vend even though you didn't have a table. And the only people that really bought that were the crazy wholesalers and exporters. So, you know, you'd have a a tiny little five-foot-tall Japanese man and his entourage, and he would have a fanny fanny pack full of cash, and he would blow that whole thing of cash in four hours on Friday. You know, he would clear out an entire table of Pac-Man frogs, an entire table of corn snakes, an entire table of crested geckos, just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of animals because he's exporting them to Japan or to South Korea or to China, what have you. So in the past, that was a very lucrative thing for both the vendors and for the buyers, but it was a lot more money than a hundred bucks. And it was really catered to those, those types of individuals. So well, Jeff and Kendra, I mean, that's kind of where I'm at with it. They said they're doing it so that they can see what we need to see and then hang out with all, you know, y'all without stressing for time. Oh, yeah, that's kind of my thing. And if it's another way of being able to not have to worry about the line, yeah, which which they're saying. So in in a recent post, you know, they said that they've rerouted sort of that inner hall to get in so that people aren't standing outside. Um, you know, I guess as much as they were last year, they're trying to fix what issues they had last year. So I don't know, but I also, again, it's like being able to just kind of hang out with everybody, you know, we're there Friday instead of just kind of sitting around doing nothing. Yeah. You know, again, I'm not really shopping for anything in particular. If I happen to see something that's on my, on my sort of wish list, that's the price is right. Then maybe, but. For me, it's like the extra 80 bucks. Why not? Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. I feel like it also was in response to complaints about the second room in the sense of there wasn't enough traffic or people didn't know I was there or I didn't know there was a second room. So I feel like with the VIP badge, you're as a as a buyer, you're getting an extra day to walk around. You know what I mean? So you can get an idea of where's where people are, who's there, what's going on in both rooms, kind of strategize. And even if you don't buy anything on Friday, at least Saturday when the show really opens, now you know what's what, where stuff is. And, and like you said, it just gives you an extra day, you know, to hang out with friends and socialize and whatever else. Uh, I do wish they 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 had a another system for actually buying. Instead of having to buy like physically in person. What do you mean? Like it would be really nice to be able to buy my my tickets online. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And not have to. No, I mean, that line actually moved pretty quick last year. Like I was pretty surprised. Yeah. I also, PSA to all of our listeners. They have more people this year 
too for oh, for, for sure the ticket line. So uh, PSA to all of our listeners: bring cash to buy your ticket, especially the VIP. They have provisions for card, but I would a thousand percent bring cash for that. I would also recommend you get cash before you go to the show because that line at the ATM gets crazy. Yeah, and I think last year they only had two ATMs at at the facility, and the ATMs were both empty by like one in the afternoon. Yeah. So definitely get your cash ahead of time. Trying to find, do they not have a page? On Facebook? Yeah. Oh, no, there's a page for sure. There's also Instagram. Just go to the website. And uh, for those listening while Justin looks for the website, um, we actually attempted to have Wayne Hill, the owner and founder of the National Reptile Breeders Expo, on the show tonight. And uh, I spoke to him this morning, and he was super optimistic about it. But we kind of planned this poorly. And obviously, the week before the show, he's very, very, very busy. And uh, it just it just didn't pan out. But next year, we're definitely going to get him on for a pre Daytona episode and kind of hear some of the history of the show and and how it started and how he's carried it all these years. So should be fun. What do you got, um, Smitty? It's because it's not under NRBE; it's under National Reptile Breeders Expo. Yeah, you, you gotta spell it out. Yeah. As a shirt person, I also have to say that the shirts they have, I do not like. Yeah, and Mike Kosicki. That, ma- that material, I just don't. It, uh, yeah, it's too polyester-y. Um, Mike Kosicki, I, I read you loud and clear on that one, man. Um, it's uh, If you're a vendor, it is very... There, there's more anxiety on a VIP entry Friday than normal because your stuff is all exposed. Uh, We're assuming there's going to still be security, um, but it really comes down to keeping an eye on things and making sure that all of your equipment and animals are accounted for as you're packing and building. So So it says a new VIP pass has been added for 2023. This pass allows visitors to get into the show area during setup on Friday, 818 at 10 a.m. and during the show on Saturday, 819 and Sunday, 820 at 9 a.m cost is $100 per person and is good for the entire weekend. This pass can be purchased as follows. Thursday afternoon, 8-19-23 at registration in the Ocean Center. Thursday night, 8-19 at early registration at the Daytona Hilton. And Friday morning, 8-20 at registration in the Ocean Center. I also, you find it ironic too that they set up at Repticon to promote the show. What's that say again? Like they set up at Repticon to promote the show. Yeah, no, I saw that. It just makes me laugh because it's like pretty sure pretty a lot of the people that are there already know that that's happening. But. Yeah, but you'd be surprised, man. You know, and 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 I feel like Repticon and 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 Daytona show are not really competition for each other. It's very different. It's a different show, you know. Well, you also think about it like hundred dollars. If you're going all three days, it's $33. I mean, realistically, it's not that much more. Yeah. 
Let's see. Gendra said, our VIPs are run different. Hours open to VIP two hours early on Saturday. I don't know how I'd feel about a Friday entry when most of the vendors are gone. I don't know. I think unless you just got a table with like a tablecloth, I think a lot of the vendors there got a got a lot of stuff to set up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know uh, uh, it, providing that all the cards and ducks are in a row, um, Billy's table should be fairly set up, if not done, early Friday morning. So he's got a pretty good system. Um, I'm bringing the backdrop and some display cases that I have, and uh, it shouldn't take long to put stuff out and you know get the show cranking and take it from there. So, yeah. It's going to be good. It's going to be great, man. I'm so excited. And I know we over we 280 hype. vendors. Yeah, man. And I know we we hype the show up a lot on this on this show. We we hype Daytona up a lot and and I think it is just a testament to the people that are involved and the great times we've had and like we jokingly call it our annual pilgrimage because that's what it is. And I'm sure there are other shows that may be more diverse or larger or better prices or whatever, but none of them will ever be the Daytona show. That's right. I mean, if you haven't gone there for Johnny rockets, like what are you, what's the point? Yeah. If you haven't been miserable at Bubba Gump shrimp co, what's the point? <laughs> Oh, I don't understand the hype over Bubba Gumps. You, you I gotta, really am not impressed with it. We've gone a couple times. And every know. time I'm like, why? Why? Well, you got to go once just to say you did it. But it's also good because a lot of times we have 15, 20 of us at a table, you know? So. Can you imagine the hell the staff at these places deals with during the summer months? <laughs> I can only imagine. And Harry, why would I make you cry? Come on, man. Sloppy Joe's is my go-to. It's good stuff, man. It's good stuff. What are your uh, setting up? You mentioned like pre-show meetings and setting up linking up with people what was your what were you wanting to touch on there for like buying stuff yeah oh the, the notes that we texted yep. earlier well i kind of want to cover meetings and pre-sales yeah so a lot of times um for me i have an idea of what i want and i go to the show and it doesn't matter what the show is it doesn't matter if it's a local small show or if it's a huge nation show I have an idea of what I'm looking for, whether it be dry goods or supplies or actual animals or feeders. And I usually don't like make arrangements ahead of time. Like I, I just don't, I, I don't, I don't really typically like to, I don't want to say bother breeders, but I kind of like just, just go and just see where it takes me. Um, however, there are other people and myself that I've done it in the past too, where you know, the breeder, and you're like, hey, man, going to Daytona this year? I know it's six months out, but, you know, are you planning on having offspring, blah, blah, blah? And I've made arrangements to, to pay for stuff ahead of time and pick it up in Daytona. 
or hey uh, you're gonna have these animals yeah yeah well hey save me two or three i want to take a look at them no problem awesome and a lot of people are cool like that so i didn't know about i want to hear your opinion of that um and then at the same time i want to talk about when we go on these trips what our plans are for taking care of our own collections before the show and or maybe during the show and then if you are vending taking care of animals at the show or take or if you're buying and you buy an animal on friday morning at 10 a.m now you got two or three more days you got to hang on to the animal what are some things that we do to to keep that animal happy and healthy through that weekend yeah, you know, that's something that I am surprised someone hasn't done is like set up a table just as like a coat check kind of deal. Well, I, I think that it's also um, people are apprehensive. You know what I mean? You're trusting a stranger with something that you just spent good money on a living creature. And a lot of people are more apt to leave the animal with the seller for the remainder of the afternoon or whatever, providing the seller is OK with that. Um and then there's also people that just kind of rush them back to the hotel room and set them up and kind of go from there. So, which you actually have kind of a good system for for hotel room because those hotel rooms usually are pretty cold. Yeah. I, I like to keep ours cold. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you're no different. Yeah. But in the past, you have brought some supplies to keep things for the weekend. Yes, absolutely. Um, I like to bring extra deli cups and snake bags because. If you're at a show and hey, Dustin Grange on the chat. Um, if you're at a show and you buy a baby corn snake, right? And the corn snake was in a display case on the vendor's table, or maybe it was in a large deli cup. And then they give you a really tiny deli cup to take it home in. You don't want that poor animal living in that tiny, tiny little deli cup for the whole weekend. So I've brought larger deli cups that I could put some paper towels in. Um, I'll usually take a bottle cap for water and just give a little bottle cap of water. If it spills over, who cares? Um, I'll just put new paper towels. And at the same time, I like to use a dresser drawer in the hotel room as kind of like a holding box. Um, I've seen people that brought their own Sterilite tubs. Um as a holding box that, you know, the gasket tubs that we God forbid something happens, doesn't get loose in the hotel room. Um, and then I also bring a small heat mat, just a normal uh, five gallon Zoomed heat mat. The ones that you'd stick on a, a five gallon glass aquarium, because that heat mat, if you leave it in a dresser drawer, uh, usually like on top of a t-shirt or something, cause you don't want to stain the wood or burn the wood of the drawer. Um, it's not hot enough to really burn anything. And, it'll be warm enough to keep that drawer at a ambient, say 72, 74, something like that, which would keep the animal fine for the weekend. If your hotel room's 60 degrees, cause you're drunk and you want it cold. <laughs> like most of us are, um, that dresser drawer will stay at an appropriate temperature. Obviously you want to be safe about it. You want to check it. Um, a lot of times I'll just, I'll only plug it in at night because I know I'm there, you know, God forbid something catches on fire or whatever. Um, or if you have a Sterilite tub and you want to take that five gallon heat mat and just stick it on that Sterilite tub, it's not hot enough to melt the plastic, but it'll warm that tub in that cold hotel room. Um, obviously you feather it and pay attention to it, you know, and that's honestly, if you're getting a, a lot of animals, or, or even two or three, you know? But I like to bring extra deli cups that are larger to kind of give the animal more comfortable room while they're staying in the hotel room, if that makes sense. 
Yeah, I mean, for me, I've I've just left stuff on the little desk in the room, you know, in whatever the room is the snakes are at, and I haven't had any problems. It's probably a nice little miniature brumation. Yeah. But, I I mean, if you're having stuff that's a little more sensitive to temperature, then, then definitely. But if you're talking, like, North American colubers and things like that, I don't really worry about it that much. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Sean saying, said you could use heat packs, too. Heat packs were great. Um, I think heat packs get too hot sometimes. So just my own personal experience. Um, but yeah, there's there's all different ways to skin a cat, as they say. So, but I also wanted to touch base on uh, people that have collections and they're, they're leaving their collections for the weekend. Um, I fed all my stuff. Um, I fed all my stuff. What's today? Today's Monday. So this past Thursday, because I wanted to make sure that there was three or four days for any kind of regurge or really, really nasty poos or knocked over water bowls or Aspen filled in water bowls. Cause they're Mexican black Kings and that's what they love to do. <laughs> um, and yeah, and just kind of prepare for being away from home in Smitty's case, he's got eggs that are due to hatch, you know, and now his, his wife's got to be Johnny on the spot and make sure that, you know, things are kosher while he's gone. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's, you know, we're not dealing with anything super sensitive or anything to where if the power goes out and my incubator is off for an extended period of time, then I'm not too worried about it. Um, it. It kind of works out because if it were like chondro eggs or something where I was expecting those to hatch, that'd be a little bit of a different story. But fortunately, that's not the time frame of the year to match up with this, but. Um, yeah, I mean, mostly time when I leave and I have to go, uh, my bigger concern with being gone is, is the rats, like making sure that the rats are taken care of. Cause those are burned through way more food and water than, than the reptiles do. But, um, yeah, you know, like Katie already knows sort of what to do in the event of any issues or anything like that. Um, I'll give her sort of a rundown of like. I'm expecting these to start hat like the rhinos in particular. Like we'll we'll use those as an example. Like those are due to hatch on Saturday. And basically, again, we had a conversation the other night. If she's like, I don't want to leave them in the egg box if they're hatched and out. And I'm like, they'll be good in there for a day or two. It's not going to hurt anything. Like they'll be fine. Um, if she insists that she wants tubs to set them up in, then like I'll do it. Um, and it's part of that is just the, the being fortunate to have someone available to do that. If you don't have that, that's, you know, find a friend or, or someone maybe assuming most people have cats and dogs. Like you have someone that's going to check in on your pet, have them take a look at, at that stuff too, if they need to. Um, same with feeding. Um, I'm probably not going to feed anything leading up to this weekend just because I don't really need to. Uh, I'll feed everything when I get back. Because, uh, I mean, we're also not talking about, like, an extended two-week trip. Like, we're talking yeah, about, for yeah. us, it's, it's like, four days, if that, yeah. three and a half, whatever. Yeah. Um, so, I'm really not too worried about, about anything as far as waters and things like that, because most of those are topped off and ready to go. I'll go through everything probably Wednesday night uh, and make sure everyone's squared away. Again, there's, you know, there's no issues. There's nothing 
severely wrong with anything. There's no regurges or anything like that, which I would notice pretty much immediately because there's no other smell like that. Um, and then just, just letting my wife know, like, if you notice anything, like call me, text me, whatever. And we'll, we'll get through it. Yeah. I'll also say this in terms of shopping at shows. If this is your first time buying from Reptile Expo and you do get an animal in a deli cup, uh, before you walk away from that vendor's booth or you walk away from that table, check that deli cup for air holes because the deli cups, they're made overseas, they're mass produced. And although they have perfect symmetrical, completely smooth and rounded air holes that are factory machined in there, shit happens and i had a friend that bought a at the time a really expensive uh 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 carinata um uh king rat snake excuse me king rat right a very expensive king rat snake and uh, from mark and kimbell you know who are big names in this industry been doing this for decades and it's not their fault you know it just it's something happened where one you know package of deli cups none of them had air holes and they didn't even know it and my friend got the snake he was happy and literally halfway home you know his his girlfriend was holding the snake in the front seat and she's like hey the snake isn't moving and it's because there was no air holes and that that snake unfortunately passed so before you walk away from the table make sure that your your deli cup has air holes because factories make mistakes and at the same time make sure your snake bag does not have holes make sure that the corners of your snake bag are either double stitched across, put your finger in there, make sure there's no little tears, little rips, because I've seen snakes get out through the bottom corner of a, of a, of a snake bag. And then you really got a problem. So always double check before you walk away from the table. Yep. What'd you do? Hello. Sorry, I, I muted the microphone because my dog was going crazy. Oh, I got you. I was like, what's happening? Um, yeah, I mean, I don't really have anything to add to that. Uh, check the health of the snake, too. Obviously, I feel like that kind of goes without saying. You buy a snake, give it a good look over. Um, or not even a snake, but a reptile in general. Uh, also, assume when you're going, when you bring it home, Assume it has mites, whether you see them or not. Assume they're there. I'm at a point where I just, I automatically treat whatever tub they're in or whatever I'm keeping things in, uh, whether I've seen them or not. I just treat them anyways. It doesn't hurt anything. I'd rather do it. Take the 30 seconds to, to handle that than have to deal with mites, which I have not yep. on wood. I have not had to deal with mites for years. Thank God. And yeah. that's that's one thing you only have to deal with once to never want to have to deal with it again. Agreed. Agreed. Um, a lot of that also goes back to, and I'm sure, you know, given the, the crowd that, that listens to us, uh, you know, they're not, they're not guilty of this, but, but handling every animal you see at a show, you don't have to. Yeah. Yeah. Carries definitely. Go ahead and wash those clothes when you get back. Yeah. So. I, uh, I've actually, um, I bought lavender scented raid and I've sprayed my shoes down 
with lavender scented raid because you don't know what you've been walking around with, you know? And uh, definitely, definitely check everything and quarantine best you can. Even if you're simply keeping it in the kitchen for a few weeks, just to see if it has mites, definitely keep a quarantine. Yes. 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 Mike Kosicki says, if the price is too good, there's probably a reason. Yeah, I've seen that too. I have. So. As far as the setups for the room too, sometimes I'll even bring, because I usually don't get anything that's like an adult. I usually get smaller stuff, but I'll bring one of the tubs that I typically keep that smaller stuff in, bedding and all, and I'll just bring that setup and let it do its thing. You know, barring again, that plays into the mite thing. Um, with paper towels, it's much easier to notice that kind of stuff. If you have it on on shavings of some sort, um, you might be setting yourself up for potential disaster. But I, for the most part, like to have something that they can actually like, you know, they have hides in there. They've got bedding they can hide under. I like to sort of give them the whole the whole shebang. Uh, for the weekend makes me feel better i'm sure the snakes enjoy it too but um good walking shoes i will have to say that they're for the last like two years i've had to learn that the hard way if you're going to something like daytona or tinley or anything like that uh wear some decent shoes man i remember the like the year before last I got those THP knockoff Converse things with the THN logo on them. And I thought those were the awesomest thing ever. And then after like the second hour of walking around that show in those shoes, man, I was ready to freaking saw my feet off. Like I'm wearing my Brooks this year and I'm, I'm very much looking forward to it because decent shoes, like you don't realize how much it sucks. Dude, you're already in it. Sketchers with a Tempur-Pedic insole. I'm about it. And bring that pretzel money. You gotta get that that soft yeah, pretzel. And, yeah, pretzel money and and bring your own water because bottled water is like six bucks, eight bucks a bottle. Drink. It's Florida. It's hot. It's summer. they have water fountains too. Yeah, you can refill. Yeah, You've got about a million water fountains. Yeah. But it's the smart water they're selling too. It's not like you're just getting some like Zephyr Hills stuff. You're not getting That's that true. Florida limestone garbage. You're getting the good, <laughs> the good stuff that'll keep you hydrated. Well, I already ordered a case of 12 500 milliliter uh, Fiji's for Anna Maria and myself. Nice. Yes. Yeah. And you can bring a cooler too. Like I will say last year during my, uh, my bang addiction. Uh, I spent a lot of money on bangs at the little Starbucks store thing in the hotel. Like you're paying them tourist prices. Yeah, for sure. So if there's something in particular you drink a lot of, be it alcoholic or not, um, save yourself some, some money and bring your own, bring a cooler, even if it's a small one. Um, the hotel doesn't seem to care at all. I've seen plenty of people bring coolers and yeah, issues so yeah I mean, we, we've got a big cooler and we get the ice bucket and 
you know, Philip, if we need to top off, but I will say this, uh, if you are driving and you have the option to bring a real cooler, definitely stop at the gas station and get bags of ice first. Otherwise you're going to be making like 46 trips to the ice machine with that dinky little hotel ice bucket. That's assuming that the ice machine works too. Cause yeah, I think exa- last exactly. year on the floor we were on, it didn't even work. Oh, that's brutal. Brutal. Zephyr Hills gets their water from the same springs I piss in, said Billy Jenkins. Nice. Excellent. And Excellent. then Harry said, pro tip, go ahead and fork over the money for two beers at the cafeteria area because you're going to want it and the line is long. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Harry. Good stuff. Good stuff. Was there anything else you want to cover? I don't know. We pretty much hit everything on the list. I think we did. We did. Travel cigar stuff? Oh, yeah. Cases. Pelican cases. Pelican cases. If you don't know what it is, Google it. doesn't have to be a pelican case. There are, like, travel cases that they make for cigars that are basically, it's an otter box without the otter box brand on it. It's the same damn concept. Little gasket box that keeps the moisture in and keeps everything else out. Let me say this though. If you're gonna if you're gonna go on Amazon and you're gonna look up, you know, plastic cigar holder or plastic cigar travel humidor, you're gonna see ones from Zycar that hold six cigars. It's gonna cost you 30 or 40 bucks, right? It has a stupid little fake sponge humidifier on the inside. Instead of spending 40 30 or 40 bucks on that crap. And, and Zycar makes awesome stuff, man. I'm, I'm actually pro Zycar, except for those little dinkers. You can spend 25 or 30 bucks on a Pelican case that's similar in dimensions that holds triple the cigars and then get yourself a Bovida pack for five or six bucks. And that thing will last you six months. Easy. I'll do you one better. Go ahead. Get a, get a Tupperware. Yeah. The best humidor you will ever own, as long as you're not aging stuff. Is a Tupperware. Yeah. yeah. People came into the shop all the time, like, oh, I need something to put my cigars in and keep them, keep them, you know, right. And I'm looking at a humidor and I'm like, are you, like, are you aging any of them, like sitting on them for an extended period of time? No. I tell them, great. Go to Dollar General, find a tub that fits, put them in that. Yeah. Yeah. Like that. Those work even better with the bevetas because you don't have the cedar of the humidors absorbing that humidity from the beveda and the cigars. Yes. It's all going into the cigars. So keep that in mind. Yeah. And those those packs work great. Those packs are lifesavers, man. I'm I'm done with the crystals. I'm done with distilled water. I'm done seasoning humidors. Like I'm uh, like this is the 21st century. With the Bovida packs, you, you, it lasts you forever. When it turns into a rock-hard envelope, you throw it away, and you get a new one. And they're six bucks. They're spot-on, too. Like, the humidity that yeah. they say it, it gives. Like, I've put them in there with hygrometers, and it's it's dead-on, like, every time. I've had yeah. very little variation. If I am, it's by, like, one or two degrees, so to speak. Yeah. But Tupperware. I'm at a point now too, though, with a lot of my stuff, like even some of the like Romacraft, I'll bring them home and I won't even put them in a humidor. I'll let them sit out overnight because, you know, Mike Rosales, who's part owner of Romacraft, uh, has even said he thinks that Neanderthals taste a little better after you've let them kind of sit out for a day or two and dry out. Dry a little. Yeah. Yeah. 
and I haven't had any major difference in letting like not having they don't have to sit in a humidor all the time before you smoke them like they can yeah. they'll be okay if they're in yeah, they cellophane breathe. yeah they'll be all right so yeah it's only if you leave them out for three weeks that you're gonna have issues like two nights yeah. three nights they'll be fine but yeah i like the case because it's convenient because i can just take it with me you know i Agreed. keep the cutter and the lighter and stuff in there and you know, I've got the little briefcase that I, I bring pretty much every year at this point. Yeah. Um, I use the uh, Grove bags for weed and they work great. Yeah, Boveda actually has like an entire half of their business is related to cannabis and that it's the same thing that they use for cigars. It's just catered for and advertised towards cannabis. And it's you would never know it like they're they don't they keep the two very separate, even though they're the same. It's odd. Like there's literally like an entire half of their business that is nothing but that. Yeah, from what you I would, gather, you would never the, know it. There's something about I don't know if it's the enzymes in the chemical compound that is one is catered more towards tobacco, which is to keep those oils correct, opposed to the cannabis, which I think it doesn't need that. You know, or and somebody knows more about this than I do. I'm I'm kind of I pulling no this out of thin air. But yeah, that, that was kind of how it was brought to me because they also have a whole food line too for like people that want to like leave a small pack in their cereal, keep their cereal fresh and crunchy. You know, if you live in a tropical zone and you want your cookies to stay dry, I don't know. You don't want that chewy cereal. Yeah, exactly. You don't want but, to be uh, you want to be Captain Crunch, not Captain Chew. Exactly. But they are, as as Trippy said, they are game changers. I think I still have one in the small pelican case you gave me from like the year before last that is still going strong because I've just really sealed in that case, dude. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Like on paper, you leave them in plastic containers like that. Like there's no reason they should dry out. Yeah. And they come when you buy them, they come individually wrapped in a vacuum sealed like cellophane. And I've never had one. Like I've gone to the store, the tobacco store, I've been like wiped the dust off the top of the box when I bought them. And they're still perfect on the inside just because it's sealed. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's using yeah, its own humidity. Sealed, they're not going to dry out. It's yeah. not going to happen. I will say this. Using Pelican cases and Tupperware, um, I like to, <clears throat> excuse me, I like to burp it at least once a month because I've had some stuff that was super oily and it plumed really, really bad. Like not in a good way. It plumed really bad because there was too much humidity. I've also had some Cubans that expanded because the Boveda pack was so good in that small of a Pelican and yeah. I never burped it. And I didn't have any air exchange that it was just festering in there. So I definitely say to, to at least open the tub, let it breathe for two seconds, at least once a month. Take the time out of your day. Yeah. Cherish it, tobacco. Cherish it. Right. <sighs> Either way, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, man. Obviously, Super we're stoked. not going to have THP Thursday because we will be in Daytona. So, epic. Very much looking forward to it. Uh, I was a jar man for a long time. Trippy said, "That's what I use for pipe tobacco." So, yeah, last forever. Seal. It's all about the seal. All about the seal. Thank you all. This episode was brought to you by blackboxcages.com. Use the code THN Thomas Henry Nick 
phonetic alphabet. T H N. Tango Hotel November. We're not going to the hotel in November. We're not going to tango. I'm more of a waltz man. Uh, use that same code on fullviceapparel.com. Uh, give both Black Box and Fulvius a follow on Facebook and Instagram, and then follow Puget Sound Pythons as well on uh, Facebook and Instagram, and then hop on over to Morph Market and see what Gendra have up for grabs. Uh, go Metallica and go Daytona. There we go. <laughs> Do a live from the beach. Ugh. Y'all don't want to see me without a shirt. I don't want to see me without a shirt. The beach, it's too hot for the beach, first of all. It is. It really it's is. Barely bearable just to sit outside and smoke. It's ridiculous. I don't go to, like, honestly, the last two years, three years that I've gone to Daytona, I don't think my foot has touched sand. <laughs> I got I got beaches here. I'm jaded. I, I take them for granted. I'll, I'll, I'll admit it. I There's nothing about the beach I enjoy. For people like Jeff and Kendra that live on icebergs, basically, it might be something appealing. Or people that live glaciers. in like, live Wyoming. Glaciers. Yes. Then I'm sure it's exciting. Uh, how many people got stung by jellyfish last year? Like 20 because everyone was swimming and like an army of jellyfish just came through and just hit everybody. It's like a tornado. Uh, and then Adam asked when the next Corn Stars is. We're working on that. I don't know when. Probably not for another like two or three weeks. So, Rock and roll. Well, me and me and Pain Chab will plan while he's there. We'll we'll concoct. Usually, last year we we took that opportunity, him and I, and like went to like the corn star guys or corn corn snake guys, and we're like, hey, Chris would be like, we got a podcast and we talk about corn snakes, and you know, would you want to come on it? And it was just funny. It was he did it so like childishly. It was like a little kid asking if you would come. Like, will you sign my book? you'd be like we have this podcast it kind of sucks but we want you to come on it (laughs) that's adorable i love it it's great little did they know he's a master colubrid breeder (laughs) august is jellyfish season in florida there you go that's it proven fact thankfully we don't have any that will kill you yes yes no irukandji in south florida that's right uh, thank you all. We will have the post Daytona show when we all get back. So stay tuned for that because I'm sure that will be interesting. Yeah, Do a live yeah, from Chili's. My man. There isn't one down there. There should be. We should open there, one. There, there is one. You just got to go in past the speedway. Oh, that's far. I know it's far. No, thank you. Yeah. Maybe. We'll see. I don't know. Thank you all. See you later. Bye.